Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. I want to introduce our, our, our speaker, uh, Dylan McNeely. I've known Dylan. Come on up here, Dylan. You can stand here little bit of social distance from here, but uh, I've known Dylan for about five years. Dylan's been a, an amazing brother, a young man that got to meet doing youth camps here and uh, spoke here at Life Church a few times as well. He's had a few, uh, you know, like run-ins. You've come here, you're pulled over by the police. You've come here, you weren't able to get out of the parking lot, you know, all, and now you come here and services are canceled because of snow. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I love this young man. He has a passion and a heart for God. And I'm so thankful for what he has, he, he has in his future. He's going to be planning a church in, in West Virginia. He's going to tell us more about that. We are, as a church, supporting Dylan in, in this endeavor to plant this church. And so I'm so glad you're going to come here and be able to share your heart with us, man. Come on up. I love you, bro. Elbows. 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 Hello, Life Church. It's so good to virtually see you again. Um, I actually had this thing planned in my head that... When I walked on this stage, I was going to look across the room and just take a quick second just to stare at your faces, uh, the top part of your faces that I would have been able to see, and just be grateful for the opportunity to be able to be in the presence of people, because that's been kind of a, a, a foreign commodity for me as of late, meaning something that I do not get the opportunity so much so to be engaged in. And so, um, obviously, the Lord had other plans, and he decided to just, let's just let it snow a little bit more. Let's just have a little fun with these uh, people from Iowa. And so, um, I, was, uh, I was about to say Hawkeyes, and then I didn't want to get disrespectful, because I know that there's Hawkeyes, Cyclones, uh, was it Panthers of Northern Iowa? There's a bunch of different things here. You guys are just a concoction, so I'm just going to say just you. Then Upper Iowa, I forget what they are. Um, just a lot of things going on. But anyway... As Pastor Rich so elegantly said, uh, my name is Dylan. Uh, he made a mistake throw. He said, I'm a guest. Now, you and I know that, you know, I'm from Louisiana. In Louisiana, if I've come to your house once, we're no longer guests and associates. We family at that point. And I'm in your kitchen, in your fridge, trying to figure out what a good food at. Did you cook? Don't believe me? Before this service started, I was talking to the people as we were uh, setting up, and I was asking them, is there a good place around here to get some Louisiana cuisine? And they just sadly shook their head at me. That lets you know how much I see them as families. I'm already asking for food. So if this is your first time seeing me, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I know I'm slightly shorter and just a little bit more tan than Pastor Rich, but don't worry. Um, let's hope that the same God that moves through him every single Sunday that he steps on this stage moves through me. I like to believe he does. Um, and I'm super excited to see what he's going to do through me in this moment. I got a word that's just been burning in my heart, and I'm, I'm going to try and be just, just pontificate on all of the things that, I, that God has put on my heart in such a sophisticated yet contained manner as I can. But you know me. It's probably going to get crazy probably 10 minutes in. But before I dive into my sermon and things of that nature, we are planting a church in Huntington, West Virginia. And thank you so much for investing in us. I come from a, a, a place in Louisiana where we believe loyalty is the law of the land. 
Loyalty and transparency are the two things that are kind of non-negotiable where I come from. And just knowing that you guys not only put your mouth behind me and supporting me, but you put your actions behind us and supporting us on this God-given journey that we're about to embark on, that means more to me than you ever could know. So thank you so much for investing in what God has put on me and my wife's heart, which is to plant a life-given church in Huntington, West Virginia. And the name of the church is the Refinery Church. Now, our heart behind this name is we believe that in this current generation, in this current landscape of the world that we're living in, we've started to add on identities in order to add on value. We've added on certain thought processes, added on certain ways, added on new trends. We've started these new challenges. Every time I look on social media, there's a new challenge, and all of them confuse me. But we've added on these things to try and have more influence or what we perceive more value. But I genuinely believe that God has created us valuable enough. We were already set on this earth with enough value to make it through here alive and bring a couple of lives along with us as we get back home because we're simply passing through. And so a refiner is a place where they bring perfect natural resources that have taken on some imperfect um, elements and they strip the imperfect elements away and it brings the resources forward in its purest form. And that's our heart. We believe that Jesus has called us to move into this area, into West Virginia, Huntington to be exact, and be the hand and feet of God and just serve, love, and care for these people and be a place where people can have the, the, the ideals, the thoughts, the labels, their past, their present, all stripped away so that they could step into the fullness of who God actually created them to be. So if you want more information on the refinery, the Lord actually moved before this even took place. So I was planning on bringing a table here and setting up. I'd actually text Pastor Rich the night before I jumped on the plane and asked, should I bring stuff for the table? And he said, bring it on, brother. And I thought I should bring it on. And then I thought about my Cedar Rapids family. What's up, Cedar Rapids? How y'all doing? Pastor Jairus, what's up, my guy? You know, I was, I was thinking about y'all and I thought, that's not going to be fair. Coralville is going to get to meet me at the table. But Cedar Rapids isn't going to get to meet me at the table. We're not going to get to have that conversation. And I'm diplomatic by nature. My wife is watching this, so she's probably shaking her head like, "Mm mm-hmm, I don't like it. Yes, I'm I'm an extreme diplomatic person. And so instead of setting up a table, I thought we should do this. So if you're interested in getting more information on the refinery, right now you can pull out your cell phone and text the word refinery, refinery to 474747. And what you're going to get in return is you're going to get a welcome and a thank you text for for even being interested in what we're doing, as well as you're going to get a ministry cheat sheet. Now, one of our core values at the refinery is we value transparency. We want to be honest about everything from our finances all the way to what our missions are, all the way to what our initiatives are. We want to be transparent about everything. So on this cheat sheet, you'll see the funds we're trying to raise, where they're going. You'll see the pillars of our house and so many other things. So again, all you have to do is text the phrase refinery or the word refinery to 474747. Thank you so much in advance for being a part of our journey as we uh, do our best to shine the light of Jesus in this amazing, beautiful tri-state area of Huntington, West Virginia, Ashland, Kentucky, and Proctorville, Ohio. So now it's time to get into the word. Enough with the commercial, because I'm super excited. But before I get into the word, why don't we pray just for a second and ask the Father to intervene in this gathering, if you're okay with that. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, 
Thank you so much for your anointing power. You are so present here. There's never been a moment where you have not been present. From the beginning to now, present. Beyond present. Jesus, I just pray that in this moment as I pontificate on the words that you've downloaded onto my soul, onto my heart, I pray that it not be words that puff up me, but puff up you, but that gives you glory. Father God, I pray for that person that's watching this and they're just hurting, whether they're in this land or they're in another country, Africa or, or wherever they are. Father God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit touches them, holds them tightly, and reminds them of the value that you've given them and let them know that their decisions doesn't disqualify them from you. Holy Spirit, use me as you see fit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, but forgive us for our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So our scripture for today comes from Luke chapter 8, verses 28 through 39. We're not going to put it up there yet because I want to give you some context to this scripture. I want to give you the backstory of how we got to this point in the scripture. And, 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 and there are so many different historical events that happen that leads up to this scripture we're reading. And this scripture alone is probably one of the, the most popular exorcisms, for lack of a better word, Rich, that we've seen in the Bible. The, one of the most popular moments where we've seen demons be casted out of an individual that we've seen in the Bible. So leading up to this, we find Jesus uh, preaching and teaching along the Sea of Galilee. He's preaching, he's sharing the word, he's speaking in parables, and people are being healed, changed, and transformed. But then we see this moment where Jesus shows his human humanity. He shows that he's fully God and fully human. Jesus gets tired, and so he wants to move from this side of the Sea of Galilee to the opposite side of the Sea of Galilee, which had smaller towns, which in return would have smaller crowds. And even furthermore, as Jesus shows his human form, by the moment he sets foot on the boat, he is exhausted, almost to almost instantly going into the, the cabin and falling asleep. And in this moment, one of the most famous stories of all times takes place. A storm hits. As the disciples begin to get nervous and they're worried. And before I go any further, I believe that we need to give the disciples a little bit of grace here. Oftentimes when we read the Bible, we view ourselves more like Jesus than we view ourselves like the disciples. It's because we get a view of their lives. Imagine what the disciples are doing as they get a view of our life. They're like, I told you, you thought it was easy. I told you it was not easy. You, you were looking at me and you thought. But in, in this moment, we need to give the disciples a little bit more credit because we have to understand that these are not just disciples. Some of these men were actually fishermen. So they were experts at sea. They were experts in knowing how to maneuver and navigate through these moments. And so for them to be nervous, this could not have been a normal storm that hit. It could not have been a normal storm that hit. After all, the Sea of Galilee has historically had a history of having volatile weather, meaning their weather would get storms just out of nowhere consistently, and that's actually scientifically proven to today. 
So in this moment, this storm is not a normal storm that's hitting them. And so they are nervous. And to paraphrase the rest of the story, the disciples get nervous. After the storm hits, the disciples wake up Jesus. Jesus' peace comes down the storm. Then he tests the disciples' faith. That's that whole story in about one sentence for everybody who does not want to read it. You should read it. But even after that, Jesus isn't just done. He doesn't just calm the storm. He tests the faith of the disciples afterwards. Isn't that like Jesus? He doesn't just free us from something. He reminds us of how we can be freed in the future from those same moments. Not by looking at the storm, but by looking at the Savior that walks through the storm with us. And so as he's, as he's navigating through this storm, he's just calmed the storm, and they've made their way to this, to this land of Gerasenes, and, and as they step into this land, this land could be known as a Gentile land by the presence of pigs in this land, because Jews historically view pigs as unclean animals. As a matter of fact, the, the, the modern-day Jews that still practice the kashrut, which is basically uh, 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 dietary laws that the Jewish people embark on, they literally still don't eat pork. That's how much of a disdain that they have for pigs. So with pigs being present in this moment, we have to come to the conclusion that this is a Gentile land. And upon getting to this Gentile land, this man is thrusted to the feet of Jesus. And then we get to our scripture that we're reading in Luke chapter eight. It reads as such, it says, oh, look at that, it did it as soon as I pointed. This is fancy, I like it. It says, as soon as he saw Jesus, he shrinked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, do not torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, and he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's oppression, the demon's power. Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied. For he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging, Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. When the demons came out of the, de out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed, and all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, no. Ooh, every time I read this part, I just feel, it's almost like I can feel his presence. 
No, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. If you're taking notes, the title of this sermon is The Spiritual Life Equation. And in smaller letters underneath it, you can write, Experiencing a Life of Spiritual Growth. So every year, I like to start the year off with a word. I love having a word for each year. And my word for this year is balance. I want to live a balanced life, a life that's balanced spiritually, mentally, and, and, and physically. I want to live a life that is completely balanced. And in, on embarking on this journey, I've learned something about myself. I have this huge propensity to overcomplicate simple things. I, I often make simple tasks even more complicated. And if my wife is still watching this, she'd probably bust out laughing and, 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 and high-fiving my daughter and saying, he's right. My daughter's only two years old, so you should not be high-fiving her, babe. But I have this huge propensity to overcomplicate things that are meant to be simple. I'm going to give you a few examples to, to see if you can relate. I'm the guy that instead of pulling into my garage, I will back into my garage just because I can, almost hitting the back wall of the garage almost every time. That's me. I'm the guy that I only use my GPS system once when I moved to Huntington, West Virginia, because at that moment, I decided I only needed this once. I live here now, and I'm acting like I've been living here my whole life. I didn't got lost six times, then almost ended up in Ohio multiple times, I, but still, I will not revert back to my GPS system because I got this. I'm the guy that when I go through checkpoints at airports, I leave my hoodie on, or at least I try to leave my hoodie on in hopes that they won't tell me I got to take my hoodie off. Every time I do it, I got to stop that one though, because I live in Huntington, West Virginia now, and it's a smaller airport, and the last thing I want is for them to give me that, oh, here he comes face. You know that face like, oh. He, he come with this. You know, most of y'all probably get that face when y'all going to work. Just kidding. I'm the guy that hourly, minute by minute, second by second, overcomplicates things with my wife. I just, I overcomplicate things. My favorite phrase is, oh, I thought you meant this. I thought you meant to tell what I thought, you know. You know, husbands, if you're watching, you understand, you, you try to think before your wife thinks, and then you overthink, and then you overdo it, and then it's wrong, and then you're mad because you did it wrong, and then you say, well, I just tried, and she said, well, you, you just would have listened. You know what? I need to get counseling. This is going too far. But, but I'm the guy that will overcomplicate things that are meant to be simple. That's just my nature. What I've learned, though, is on this journey, I've learned that I do it out of two reasons. Pride and insecurity. Pride that my way is better and the insecurity that the right way just is too simple. It's too simple. It's too good to be true. That, that can't be it. I often believe that we approach our faith walk with that same ideology. It's too simple. That it can't be. Love God, love people, that's too simple. There has to be more to this. In our reading, we just read, I'm pointing over here because my table's here and the TV's here. I got a lot of gadgets. But in our reading, we just read, we can find this equation 
this formula for living a spiritual life, one of, of simplicity, one of peace, one of if focused on could possibly free us from the mind contusions we've been giving ourselves. And we can find the first piece of the equation in the first verse of the scripture. The first verse, can we pull it back up? And I'm, I'm shifting things per use. It, it says, as soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I don't want to focus on the bottom part, but I want to focus on the top part. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Meaning as soon as Jesus' presence was in front of him, he had no choice but to go to him. The first piece of the equation, the first entity of the equation is availability. Availability. How available are you? How available are you? You've been praying prayers for transformation in your life. You've been praying prayers for freedom. But how available are you to see those things come into fruition? How available are you to see the fruits of the Father in your life? Is your life consumed with the complexities of doing that you forgot the the simplicity of being? Are you consumed with trying to become, 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 become that you've lost the, the wonder of just beholding his presence before you? How available are you for the Father to move in your life? A sports quote that is pretty famous is, your best ability, ability is your availability. Scripture says this, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of the Lord and all of these things will be added to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of the Lord, which means make yourself available for the Father and everything that you come, him, come to him pursuing will be added to you, which means it won't even be as valuable to you when you've realized that seeking the Father has given you all you need. How available are you? The second thing is found later on in the scripture. It says this. It says this in, in, in verses 32 and 33. It says, now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. The second thing is this. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice to the Father? Are you willing to give up that relationship that he's told you was not honoring him for years? Are you willing to give up that stronghold that you've perceived is filling a hole, but all it is doing is making that hole deeper to where it's almost the Grand Canyon now? Are you willing to sacrifice your personal comfort to go where he sends you? Are you willing to give up those finances for the the progression of his kingdom, the progression of his church? Are you willing to, when the Father says give, which means give up whatever you're holding on to, are you willing to freely follow and oblige? Paul says this. Paul says, I counted all as loss. I counted all as loss. I want to read this specifically for you guys because it's just so So beautiful. Paul says, I count it all as loss because of knowing the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. Means none of it really matters. 
It's not that important. I probably should have shaved my beard before coming here because it sounds like popcorn up here. <laughs> Pastor Chris, yes, yes, you definitely should have shaved. I count it all as loss. You see, salvation is free, yes. Salvation is free because I know somebody was thinking that. Well, I'm saved, and since I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Salvation is free. It's true. But living a faith-filled life is sold separately. You are saved, but how you walk that out is going to cost you something. What are you willing to sacrifice now? If it doesn't cost you anything, it's probably not worth anything. So that's it. That's it. I preached for 20 minutes. Pastor Rich is probably super proud of me. That's it. That, that is the equation. That's it. Availability plus sacrifice equals transformation. Boom. That's it. We did it. That's our life. High five your cousins and tell them, man, this, we're, going to, we're going to eat earlier today. Or so we thought. What if, what, if, what if I told you that transformation is only part A of Jesus' plan for your life? What if I told you that there was more to his plan for your life? You see, we can find that through how Jesus responds to this man coming to him and asking him, can I just, can I be with you? Because you see, you freed me from this demonic oppression that I've been feeling and, and, and been bogged down by for, for years. You see, these people, they casted me into, into the tombs area. I've been chained up. I've been separated. Can, can, can I just be with you? Because if this is what being with you looks like, I want to be this way for, forever. I just want to, I want to be with you. And Jesus' response is one of the most mind-boggling responses of all time. It's only mind-boggling because it's kind of counter, counterintuitive or, or it's counter what we've heard him say multiple times before. His response is found in, in, in verse 39, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm being, yep, verse 39. He says this, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. Can we put it up on the screen so that they can see it? Because I want them to see this one. It's verse 39. This one says, no, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. Go back to your family. So maybe it's availability plus sacrifice equals transformation plus commissioning. Maybe, 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 just maybe God didn't free this man so that this man could only just become a devout follower of him. Maybe he freed this man so that this man could bring other men and women to Jesus. Jesus didn't just save your life so that you can come to church. Jesus saved your life so that you can be the church. He saved your life so that you can be a walking embodiment of who he is. He saved your life so that you can be stripped away from this pride that you have on the inside of you that says, I got to act this way because I'm in this position. And if I don't act this way in this position, they won't respect me. They don't need to respect you. They need to see the father in you so that that humbles them and it humbles you. Jesus saved you so that you can be a walking representation of the father to those who are far from him. It says, go into the world. The 
Greek word for the word world is cosmos, which means ungodly. Go into the ungodly realm and preaching the gospel and make disciples of man, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You were created to be someone that lives a life on commission, not just a life in remission. You're not created just to live separate from your sin. You weren't free just to fight your sin. You were free to help others be freed from their sins. So you're commissioned. Every day of your life, you have a calling on it. So maybe that means availability plus sacrifice equals transformation plus commissioning. My math teacher might would be proud of me right now. Mr. Morgan, look at me. I'm up here doing math. But this equals what? It equals your calling. You see, part A of the equation gives you personal transformation. But part B of the equation gives you your calling. If we take this equation and invest it in every portion of our life, no matter if it's in the spiritual realm, if it's in the physical, mental, if we invest this into every portion of our life, we will see change. It's not an if we will see change, we will see change. Give you an example. If, you make, if you're trying to lose weight, like me, I was doing good until my wife made me cookies before I left, and then everything went downhill from there. Pray for me. But if I make myself available to go to the gym, and I make sacrifices, I t stop eating certain things, I will see transformation. And by my transformation, I will be encouraged and inspired to tell others about the change that I've seen. And what will happen is, I will step into the fullness of who I am. That's the physical realm. In the mental realm, if I make myself available to seeing things that, that feed me mentally, if I'm reading books, if I'm, if I'm reading, if I'm reading, if I'm investing in the growth of my, of my cognitive systems, plus I sacrifice watching things that I know don't edify my mind, they only make me dumber, i.e. Instagram. Every time I get off of there, I feel like I lost a brain cell. It will equal my transformation. And in that, I will be encouraged to tell others by what has happened to me. That's in your mental realm, in the spiritual realm, which, which is above all. If I make myself available to the Father and I sacrifice whatever he reveals to me that does not bring him glory, I will equal my transformation. And then once I've genuinely received transformation in my heart, when I've genuinely been changed, what happens from that? He commissions me to go and do the same. Go and do the same. Is it easy? No. It's not easy, and I'm closing with this. I went right at 30 minutes. I'm going to get there one day, Pastor Rich, I promise you. Is it easy? No. But maybe if we have a mind shift, it might be more sustainable. Maybe instead of looking at the words perfection and excellence, we look at the words consistency and resiliency. Maybe instead of trying to be perfect, we focus on being consistent. Maybe instead of trying to work on excellence, we work on being resilient for the moments where we have fallen short. The scripture says in the book of Proverbs, the righteous may fall down seven times and may stumble seven times, but will be regathered. But one calamity will ruin the wicked. 
which means you will fall. You will stumble on this journey. But when you stumble, Jesus is there to catch you and make sure that you land and are able to keep walking. I need every head bowed, every eye closed, please. So as we conclude this gathering, I'm just gonna give you three different prayer points for, for you to step into the world with. The first is availability. If you're sitting down in your chair or you're up worshiping or whatever you're doing, would you just turn your palms in an upward posture as a sign of saying, here I am, God. Here's what's in my hands. And would you just repeat after me? Jesus, right now, I make myself available to you. Here I am. Strip away my calendar, my responsibilities, and everything else that I put in the position that you were made for. Speak to my heart. Guide me in your ways and lead me to your cross. Jesus. Jesus. As you're sitting in his presence, let him show you things that that have been taking away your time, that have been putting a distance between you and him, that has been developing that wedge. Jesus. Now that you have those things in your eyesight, why don't we raise our hands as a sign of surrender, as a sign of sacrifice. Say, Jesus, I'm aware of the things that have blinded me. I lay down my life. I lay down my will. And I pick up your way. Holy Spirit, protect me as I fully embark on this journey with the Father. I surrender all. Jesus. Now, as we surrender, the Father is reminding us that yes, we are free, but now we should go and tell someone about it. So I'm going to pray a prayer over you as you step into this week feeling fully revitalized. And this simple equation that if we put into every facet of our life can change our life. I'm going to pray that God commissions you and you listen to his commissioning. We listen to his commissioning and go where he sends us and give what he tells us to give and sow how he sells us to sow. Father God, I thank you right now for this amazing moment I've gotten to have with these amazing, beautiful people here at Life Church, my family. Father God, I pray for them as they step into this week feeling commissioned and ready for battle for whatever may come their way. Father God, I pray that you, you encourage them that every single circumstance is an opportunity to build the testimony for your re revealing, refining, and restoring love. Father God, I just pray right now that you give them the courage to be able to tell their coworker about you that they've been struggling to tell about you. I pray that they give, you give them the courage to tell their family about you. Father God, I pray with a heart after your own heart that you see us here 
and you guide us in your ways forevermore. We love you so much. In your holy name, amen.